Wow. I would say as a black man um, and where we are, uh, I think across the board, there's some efforts being made in order to make sure that um, black our black queens are being honored, are being respected. Are being treated with love and kindness and supported um, in their in their plight and the issues that they are facing. Um, and when I say they are facing, I actually say we as a people are facing because as long as they're facing it, we're facing it. Um, but however, I, I have been disturbed. Um, I think often there is a a, a great it's a it's a nice percentage of the of, of black men and even young black men who have a, a lack of respect for black women. And you see that through some of the, the the videos that are going viral right now with the young black woman. I'm not sure where she was at, but getting thrown in the garbage can, getting yeah. kicked. And, and these guys are laughing and jo- joking and thinking it's fun. Um, and you can literally see the fear and the terror on her face. Of you know this, and it, it was like someone had put up a, a meme and they had froze her face. It was like at this moment she realized who her who really who who her real oppressor was. Mm-hmm. Right, it was like it, it, it wasn't. It was not that white people haven't oppressed and done, but in that moment, it was like, dang, like it was, you just seen her face. It was frozen, so it was kind of sad. So I would say I think right now we're making a lot of strides to to be better. However, there's a lot of black men out there, and young black men, that need to be educated. Mm-hmm. Just how vital um, our black queens are to our movement, to. Um, to our to our source of life, <laughs> you know, and our stability, you know. Um, our pastor always said, "You you 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 give a, you give a woman a couple dollars, she she pay she have all the bills paid. You give her yeah. a couple a uh, couple groceries, she have a whole a whole meal. You give her a a a, a house, she make it a home. You know what I mean? So that's the power of black women and what they able, what they able to provide. So." Yeah, man, I can I can uh, only agree with you, uh, especially for our, our younger brothers. But you know, the thing that I'm gonna say for our for our older brothers, for our adult brothers who are out there, uh, who can you know like take a stance. Like I think we should make sure that we validate our black women and make sure that we we hear their experience. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people uh, going back and forth on social media. I'm gonna see a lot of dudes who, you know, let's just be honest. Like they seem upset now. They they yeah. they saying that they man bashing and you know this not the other. When you know if this is their experience and you know this is this is this is a black woman's experience and we need to make sure that you know that we validate that experience and that we hear them out. And then I think that you know we can uh, you know get somewhere. But if we don't know where we fit in and how we can help support, then what can we do? So I think that first we need to make sure we open up our ears and listen and stop being so defensive every time. You know black women 
say something about you know black men it's not it's not men bashing they're just giving criticism where they feel like criticism is due yeah. and I feel like you know as black people that's something that's uh, you know that's important for us to get past yeah I think it's important bro that's definitely important especially I don't even think sometimes it's criticism I, I often think it's the mirror being put up in our face yeah. and when you know you look a mess Sometimes you avoid the man. You avoid it, yeah. But but sometimes our black women have the ability and the and the perseverance to look to hold that mirror up like, no, you gonna look in this mirror. <laughs> and, and yeah. So that's big facts right there. Yeah. Yeah, and we're gonna move on. I just wanna get y'all y'all because we are me and me and Chris had this conversation in the house. So all right, look. Yeah. He know how I feel about it. And I, I mean right now, we're taking the L and it's a much needed L. <laughs> <laughs> it's a much needed L. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a loss. That is a, an awakening. It's like I tell my students: you either lose or you learn. Yeah. But either way it go, you get something out of it. But your choice on how you feel about it when it's done, and it's just like this one of those losses that you like. Black men have faced, and right now we are in a space where you can't even say, you can't, you can't even try to negate or refute any argument that a black woman makes right now when there's a viral video yeah. of somebody taking a skateboard and just yeah, knocking his woman out. Yeah. But the worst part of it. It's the fact that there's other so men many around. people watching. Mm-hmm. They watching it, yeah. and they didn't even go get her. Right. Take her off the ground. And that lets you know right there, like, well, I can lose. Like, if black women lost faith in, in black men today, we would have to, like, accept that. Yeah. Like, and have to move on and figure out how we're going to get it back. Knowing that they are graceful and knowing they are merciful, you know, they, they allow us to have that space one day. But yeah. we just can't act like it's automatic anymore. It's not like this. It's not a... You're not entitled to anything from anybody. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the plight the plight we're in right now is just this entitlement that black men have had for so long mm-hmm. that we like we talked about our roles and like how we like what role have we played in it. Right. Like when we talked about last episode. So yeah. Yeah, you can I don't even get to tell you guys the story, but um the other day I, I recognized my power as a as a adult, as a grown black man, right? And how there's times I'm gonna have to we're gonna have to step up to the plate. Um, and just like you ever see those viral videos going on and somebody, like everyone's just standing around and someone's getting beat up or a young woman's getting, bro, there's literally a huge like brawl with some teenage girls and guys and boys on, on like, in my neighborhood the other day. And everybody got their phones out. Oh, and I don't know what came over me, but I jumped in it and broke it up. And, and and myself and two other other brothers that was on the street, uh, shout out to Man Up Initiative in East New York. But one of the one of their um, uh, street walkers, one of the guys that was walking the street and working the street at that moment, was definitely helping out. But I think it's it's fascinating how many people are just willing to stand by, yeah. and how many young men are just like cheering that on, like yeah, this is an opinion. Yeah. And so I think, like I said, there's a lot of re-education that we got to do. So, so, but we're getting ready to move on. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Ghetto Profits Podcast. This is a podcast with three black male educators from Boston, Atlanta, and Brooklyn come together to discuss and argue everything and anything affecting us this week. I am Tyreek Lang. My name is Michael Driver. And right now we have we are joined with um, our brother, our special guest, Mr. Chris Thornton. Two time, two time, two time. Like in the ring. So, Chris, introduce yourself once again, just to, uh, and we have some of our new viewers um, and listeners. Uh, uh, who are you? What's your background? Where are you from, man? Uh, what's up, everybody? Uh, my name is Chris Thornton. I'm an uh, educator. 
here in New York City. I'm originally from uh, Appomattox County, Virginia, very, very small town, pretty country, four stoplights. Um, I've been uh, in New York City here for the last six to seven years, and I'm glad to be back for a second time, ready to discuss some cool I stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Just, it's Juneteenth. It would not be a Juneteenth without CPT. <laughs> Yo, shout out Asino. He just walked I love our brother, man. My boy Mark is here. He, he, he really the moderator, so we glad he here anyway. Now, but we, we, Michael did say today is Juneteenth. Um, and so it's a holiday to, to commemorate the emancipation of the last, uh, uh, remaining slaves that we record, that are, that ha- that were emancipated for the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, and those particular slaves were in Texas, in the state of Texas. And so two years after they were actually freed from the Emancipation Proclamation, they got word. And that's when we celebrated on this particular day, um, uh, in the 1860s, we actually celebrate that this is our emanci- our people's emancipation, full emancipation. Sure. And the fight doesn't stop. <laughs> the fight continues. Um, and, you know, and actually today, was because it's Juneteenth, um, it's so important, especially to the black community, it was a lot of outrage and, up- and uproar about um, our president. Our current president, who shall not be named. Your president. Um, stop that, bro. Stop. No. Uh, that's exactly what he wants us to do. Fight amongst each other. <laughs> but, um, he, uh, he, he was going to launch his, his rally, his re-election campaign today and, um, and get the bid going again, um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma on today. And because of the outrage and the uproar about how disrespectful it was due to that being the home of Black Wall Street, which was um, obliterated in a massacre that has still not been deemed a terrorist attack on this nation's soil that should have been. Um, you know, we, we celebrate this day, and I think the idea of black joy um, is resistance. It is a, 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 us being able to persevere. So what does Juneteenth mean to you guys? Um, I want to start with you, Chris. I mean, Juneteenth is a, a day for us to, you know, of course, celebrate uh, our heritage, but also a day for us to make sure that we continue to financially equip ourselves. And I think that, you know, this is a powerful day for us to realize the, you know, what we can do with our dollar, especially when we, when we uh, unite under it. And so I'm really excited. I'm glad to be back. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, you know, super excited to jump into some financial topics for you guys. I love it. I love it. Yes, sir. Yes, what about you, Mark? What's up, baby? Yo. What up? What it do? Hey, man. Yeah, all right. Hey, came in here smiling and everything. <laughs> all right. Traffic got me smiling. Tra- no, nah, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, it's crazy today. Uh, Juneteenth for me. Yeah. Y'all, uh, y'all might be mad at me, man. Back in Boston, they don't know anything about no Juneteenth. Really? Oh, we know that. <laughs> Tell you that. Don't, yeah, don't be bashing my boss in like that. Lord have mercy. I told you, look at Boy, that's... God don't like us. That, I know. His, that's why he didn't let us... So what... But for, but for me... Uh, being forced by our manager to watch 13th all over again. Uh, and Tyreek. I've learned a lot about it. Um, and basically, it's just an... It's just a way of us not celebrating July 4th, right? It's another, it's us for just, for our people, our nation to celebrate this day as like, and make it a national holiday and make it known that Juneteenth is our holiday, not anyone else's, ours. Um, And, you know, knowing so much about that, uh, I I can't wait to see where my night is headed. Uh, knowing the conversation I'll have with a few of my friends tonight, 
Michael, thank you for the invitation. Um, the getting invited to the cookout now. Yeah, you know, you know. Uh, but it's more deeper than that, right? Yeah. Uh, just being in the space with same like-minded people, just same goals, people of our own, just fluent conversations, more about our history. So I just, okay. that's what I look forward to about Juneteenth. Love it, Mike. For sure. Uh, man, Juneteenth, bro, I, I mean, I've actually, like, been in spaces where it's been, like, celebrated by just amongst my peers, amongst my friends and stuff like that. So I've always, like, I've been, I've, like, known about it, but I, for me now, I, I really appreciate the fact that, like, it's just a space where we recognize it. Like, we, I just appreciate that we recognize the things that are ours. Yeah. Our own and really, like, giving ourselves that, that dynamic back. Cause it's like me and Chris were just talking about it the other day that a piece about what we missing is like a culture dynamic, a, a philosophy dynamic amongst our culture, like that bring us into something. Like, if you think about it, he was saying that, like, if you, if you end up, you know, you, you end up going to jail or something like that, you, you see people like log off in clicks. And then you see your own people of color using if it's the, what's depicted. Even if you think about what's depicted on TV, you never see like you see the people of color come together, but it's always like somebody can infiltrate that. But every other race always has this connectivity. But that's based off of a philosophy of thinking, and like that's like a piece of like what Juneteenth and all these like mean like that's what it means to us. Like that's what having a Black Wall Street and then knowing about a Black Wall Street. That's what that history does for you. It's like if we always, I think if we still have Black Wall Street today. A Juneteenth celebration would probably be something totally different. You would probably travel there for that experience. Like, we'll probably have an expos and, and it'll be probably the, the biggest festival of all kind that happened on Black Wall Street every year on Juneteenth. If we, like, if, if, if we had that, 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 that dynamic again. So, I'm just glad that that's what's happening. But we know in the light of like where we are right now, we still in a much darker space. So, that's why I'm looking forward to the fact that like this conversation that we sparking amongst Juneteenth. It's about our wealth, black wealth, right? yes, and yeah. we're going forward. And uh, Chris, I want to start off this, uh, you know, topic on you because I I know well that you're well into the wealth and uh, wealth industry, financial and uh, literacy, and everything like that. Why do you feel like it's important for our people to know about this at this moment? Man, yo, uh, there's there's so many different answers that I can give uh, to that question. I mean, like right now we're going through like one of the biggest transfers of wealth ever, if not the biggest, you know, transfer of wealth ever uh, during this like coronavirus pandemic. Um, if you look around you, you know, like there's a lot of companies who are still getting rich while other people are struggling. Unemployment is still climbing. Um, you know, I mean, we, we want to feel like we're on the other side of this pandemic, but we don't even know what the outlook of that looks like. So it's like, why doesn't the stock market reflect that? Right. There's a lot of people who are still getting rich. Um, there's a lot of people who are benefiting right now, uh, while a lot of people are, you know, kind of just not paying attention to it. We got all different types of other things to, you know, uh, think about. And a lot of people, you know, aren't in the, you know, financial position really, you know, loss of jobs and, and, and uh, being, you know, maybe like laid off and et cetera. But, you know, for our people, like, I mean, when you think about like the African-American community, I mean, just the black community in general or any community that wants to uplift themselves, the first thing that you need to do is, you know, try to, you know, like circulate your dollar in your community. I mean, you need to try to spend amongst yourself, create an economic base that you can use to fund the things that you need for your community. I mean, when you give all of your dollars away, you basically 
basically, you know, give it out and then it, and, and then just kind of see what other people are willing to invest back in you. But the best way to do that is to directly invest back in yourself. So if you have friends who are family who own a business or if you have, like, people around you that you know you can support, like, of course, like, it'll go a, a lot further there than it will if you give it to like a big major corporation, a lot of people talk about privilege a lot of times in terms of like um, how we're like treated on a day to day basis. But people don't think of like privilege on like a, a financial standpoint, like as African-American people, we never have the privilege to like walk it or, or well, not never, but it's not very likely that you have the, the opportunity to walk into a, a store that's owned by you. And you look at, you know, uh, uh, items on the shelves that are made by you. And, 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 and you see a lot of workers that look like you. Uh, a lot of those dollars like don't go back to us like we buy products products by, you know, PG and Colgate and, you know, all these big major corporations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go in grocery stores that aren't owned by us. And I mean, you know, we can always try to have quotas and different things like that to make sure that we're included in the workplace. But I mean, let's be real. Like, uh, if it's a gap that's in those, you know, like spaces, like we can close those gaps more quickly if we just support and uplift each other. So I think it's, a. a sh- I mean, an extremely important topic. Um, you know, ex- um, I'm really excited to be here. And, uh, you know, I, I think that this is a, a perfect day to do it, you know, especially with us talking about, like, the topics of making sure that we're, you know, we're united and we know our history. We know, you know, and especially we know which, which direction, we're, uh, direction we're trying to go in. So. All right, that's good, man. Uh, I, want, I wanted to ask a question about, you know, spending money in our own community. I, I, I have a beef with that, with the, with the type of prices they be selling their shirts. Uh, you know, I spoke to Mike about that last week. Uh, but to begin, um, how are you saving your money? Okay. That's the number one thing that, you know, we're not used to, you know, we're not big on saving money into our future. So how are you personally saving your money? Yeah, so I think when you think about saving money, I mean, I think that's definitely the first, like, step, right, to trying to build, like, good financial understanding. A lot of people want to go straight into investing, um, but you can actually earn money by saving if you understand how interest works on your savings account. And so, like, a lot of people look at the return that they get on a, on a stock, which usually, you know, if you, you, you would do well averaging, like, 6 7% over the course of a, uh, an extended period of time, you, you would get good money, but you can actually get you know, one to two percent. I mean, before the coronavirus pandemic, you could get like two point five, three percent. You know, depending on where you were, of just money back and the money that you already have, if you just know where to put it. And so, the first thing that you got to understand is that you have like traditional brick and mortar banks, and then you have like you know, like just online banks. And so, like brick and mortar banks are like you know, like stationary. They're there. They have like a storefront store. Um, you know, it's something you can physically go to. An online bank doesn't. You know have that or they don't always have it or it might be like geographic like to a a specific region and so like when you think about that like a a brick and mortar bank and an online bank they have different costs like they have different operating costs and uh, I mean largely one of the biggest ones is rent right you 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 got a space you got to pay rent and so like with those uh, extra expenses like a lot of times like you won't see that reflected in the things that you get back from the bank personally like you'll get the benefit of being able to walk into the into the bank get a check speak to a teller like get service in person but when you talk about like you know like uh like your 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 interest rate and like fees and things like that you largely will probably not get the best rate um at a brick and mortar bank you'll usually like nine times out of ten always will find something better if you go with something online and it's because of the operating costs and so like for example 
um, on average, right, on average, the uh, what they, they're called a high-yield savings account, right? And so the high-yield savings account, on average, they earn 17% higher interest than your, like, brick-and-mortar bank, all right? And so, like, the national average for brick-and-mortar banks, I was looking this up, uh, is 0.06%. So it's pretty much nothing. Like, you put your money in Chase, you put your money in Wells Fargo, you put your money in Bank of America, like any of those banks, and it's going to just sit there. Like, I mean, you know. It'll sit like you'll have it. But, you know, when you think about like the way that the, the world works, like, you know, like the cost of living is going to go up, the cost of like buying things will go up. So you'll actually lose money. Right. Like if you don't, you know, like know exactly like what you're doing with your money, you can actually like uh, your money will depreciate in value. That's something else to consider. But uh, the national average is zero point zero six percent. So I looked up some specific ones because because the interest rate has been going down. If you've been paying attention, like the the Fed, uh, the Feds have been like lowering like the interest rate anytime they say that they're like, oh, we're going to go towards a 0% interest rate. Like, they just dropped it to 0%. Now they're saying, oh, we're going to go to, like, a negative interest rate. So you have to pay attention to those things because banks will follow those. And like I said, the more expenses you have, the closer you're going to be to that number. You don't have anything to give back any cushion to your consumers, right? And so, like, you bank on them, like, wanting to be near the bank. It's in a geographic region. Even, like, mom-and-pop banks, like, in a small town or something like that. Like, we had, like, a, a bank of Jameson, right? Because I'm, like, from, like, a two- or three-stop, like, town. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what you're going to see. So for Chase, um, I looked up Chase, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo, uh, Wells Fargo, and they all right now currently, they offer 0.01% interest rate. So you're basically getting nothing. And so, like, for instance, like, um, if you put uh, – Let's say you're just getting 1%, right? If you get, if you just do 1%, simple math, you had $1,000, you put in a high yield saving account, 1%, you're going to get 10 bucks. Right. So like, yeah, it's not like a, a get rich quick scheme. But if you think about the way that it will compound over time and if you strategically save your money, like, you know, like some goals, you might want to save more percentage of your check for than others. If you do it strategically, you can start to rack up a couple extra like 50, 60 dollars, 70, 80 dollars, a couple hundred dollars over the course of like, you know, five years, 10 years. That's an extra, you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars. Like it depends on what you're doing with your money. But like before you like jump like straight into like you know the stock market and try day trading and all this stuff you can just make some simple passive income by just saving your money in the right place and that's and that's what it's really all about is how do we how do we go to sleep and like still be making money like you still like you still on the clock you wake up in the morning you still making money and like this isn't like something that you're doing like physically like of course like the fastest way to make money would be to like own a business or like start a business but you know this is a simple passive way because owning a business is also a lot of like you know work right you got to do mm-hmm. do a lot of things you know so, so so what are some key things that you would tell a person who's willing to who's looking to open a bank account mm-hmm. with any type of bank that would give them uh, a lot or well, some high interest rate back into the savings account how would you tell the person's process into mm-hmm. that I would say, I mean, first off, you just got to do your research. Like, I am not, I'm a, I'm an educator. All right. Like, I started, I, I came here as a writing teacher. I'm a, I'm in athletics now. Like, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. And so, like, this is something that I do, all do on the side. Like, I look this information up. It's free. Like, you just, you know, you just got to look it up. So, I would say, like, first, you just need to do your research. Make sure you, like, find, like, the highest rates. Like, it's not like they're hiding them from you. You just got to go and, like, find it, right? So, you, if you go and you find those high rates, then you'll find, like, what, you know, like, it's out there in the market. Like I said, it fluctuates. It's not always the same sometimes it's, it changes it's changing right now constantly because of like what's going on with the economy it's so back and forth up and down and so like you know you got to kind of do your research i have i have uh at least like i think nine maybe 
ten. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have nine savings accounts, and they're all in like different high yield savings accounts. But I have them like tiered, right? I get like different interest rates on different things, and I have like different goals set up in like different accounts, and um, you know it, that determines what I lot to each one of those accounts. Like I don't put the same amount of money um, in each account. So I would say go out, find the highest rates, and then from there you would know what you're going to do. So I can, I can give uh, some uh, some rates that I looked up right. um, yeah. for the people, for our, for our black. Name some banks, you know, too, that, yeah. that you recommend on people. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, currently I can tell you the ones that I use off the top of my head that I really, really, really like. Um, I really like this bank called Vero. Um, and I'm not a spokesperson for Vero. I'm not getting paid. For this. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe they'll, you know, slide me a little something. But I'm really, uh, I'm really a big fan of Vero. Vero is an online bank. Um, that's V A R O. Um, it's, you know, aesthetically pleasing, like all those things. It's, the user interface is very easy. But the reason why I like Vero is for two, um, well, really three reasons. Number one, they don't have any, pretty much any associated fees. Like even on like a, like they have check-in and savings accounts. So some online accounts will only have like savings. Like they won't, you know, like have a check-in account component. Vero, you can do both. And when you have a Vero uh, check-in account, you can actually get your check. It's either two or three days early. Um, before you would get paid. So they'll give you the, your direct deposit early. Um, if you overdraft, I think maybe like uh, like anything $50 or under, they won't charge you a fee. Um, so like I said, that's that's where you get that wiggle room. Like they don't have those upfront costs, so they give those things back to you. Yeah, so like I'm sitting, I'm sitting here, check me out. No, like for real, check me out. Like it's on, it's, it's like Wednesday. It's Wednesday. And, you know, everybody's waiting like, damn, man, I'm Get to Friday, man. Meanwhile, I get to Friday. You check all and, it, and I'm just waiting. I'm like, oh, it's 448. Six, five o'clock hit. Five o'clock on Wednesday. I get my paycheck. So I don't get, I don't put all of my direct deposit in it, but I put enough in it that I know I always get some money forward early just in case I need to, you know, like handle something. Cause something we're not really talking about in depth, uh, in, in depth a lot today is, is a debt. But you don't want to be in debt either because that's a liability and that takes away from your network. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to save a whole bunch of money and then you have all this debt topping over your head either. So that's a, uh, something else that you have to tackle but we can talk about that, uh, mm, that sure, on a different day. How you got, how are you guys saving money? Oh, well, I use, <laughs> I was like, you got, well, I use two different savings. Well, I use, excuse me, I use three different savings. The first savings that I use is my regular Chase. Uh, savings account. I have money that goes out to that. But then I've been using this um, this app called Capital. I'm mm-hmm. using Capital. Um, and that, like, you could set goals. I think we were talking about this Personal earlier. Personal Capital, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's, uh, like, they have different challenges. Mm-hmm. And they also, like, so you do the 52-week the challenge, right? Chris talked about that, that yeah. earlier. So that's that. automatic every week, depending on the week you're in, to take out that amount of dollars. So if you're in week three of your savings, yeah. $3. By the time you get to week 50, Fifty dollars. We fifty uh, one. Fifty one dollars. So then at the end you'll have about thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars saved. Then I also have something else called um, Digit that automatically takes money out of my account based on the algorithms of my account. So mm-hmm. they kind of learn and go, well, you, he gets paid this time of the this time of the month, and so like there's about say if I have like a two thousand dollars left in my account, they're like he usually pays his rent. With that, or he gets paid this, this, and third. So, uh, right now, we'll take about 36 cents out every other day, something like that, and it adds up. Then it's sometimes where it's like, well, he has a surplus, so I'm gonna just take a quick $38 out. And then you look, it, 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 this happens without you really knowing. 
and they send mm-hmm. you updates on your account every single morning. Mm-hmm. Hey, your account um, yesterday was this with this. Today is this. Um, click this link to, to see exactly why your account changed fifty two dollars and thirty six cents. Right. You click that link and it tells you exactly where you went, and then you can look at it and go, actually, I didn't go there. Right, so it helps you identify fraud, um, but these particular things. And when you ask for your money back, it comes quick, like it comes real quick. So digit is kind of like a, uh, hey, I need to take out thirty seven dollars real quick. Um, okay, we we have it in your account probably, but tomorrow morning, um, if it's a Friday, you want to do it before twelve, because then you have to wait till Monday for it to come in because it's a weekend. But that's like an online savings account that I've been using. Um, and they give you kind of like it has some interest on it. So like after a while, hey, we added another fifty seven cents to your account because of your savings or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's actually cool. it's really cool. It's, it's really cool. It's really fun. Um, some people d- don't trust it because they're like, who? Where's this place at? Mm. Um, but even when you take money out, they ask you, why are you taking this money out? Because you want to put it. It goes into your account, so you can actually see. Hey, I had to take money. I took eighty seven dollars out of my savings a couple of months ago because I wanted to use that towards. Whatever, right. and you're able to see your trends of why am I taking money out of this? Okay. You know, so that's what I that's how I say. So I got, how you say it? So I got a black online bank. I got Ally Bank for my savings account, and then I use Robinhood for spend. I mean, I use Robinhood to store money that I plan to save that I may invest with, or I just you like leave it there and don't touch it. Mm-hmm. I use um, Cash App to put spending money there and just leave it. And then I use my spending money from there. So that's how I, so my Bank of America account is what I try to, like, I already have, like, the automated payments and stuff, right. like, growing out of, so I try to keep those. Like. But that's what I'm doing right now. And then I got the Georgia teacher retirement. Like, when you teach in Georgia, you automatically got that teacher retirement system. Yeah. Oh, nice. Like, in Georgia, yeah. so your money automatically blows there. So now that I'm teaching that kid, my money's going there now. Okay. Oh, so, wow. So that's where, I, like, that's it right now. And then I got to chase. Business account for Prodigious Academy as a non-profit. So throw money there to save for that. So, That's fine, man. That's a lot of accounts, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get on Chris level. No, I know. I got to That's a lot of accounts. Uh, Not me. I have two checking accounts, one saving, one credit. All with Bank of America, and I feel like that's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like fee vampires, they just take money, man. They just kill you. They kill you. They just kill you. You you got so many with them. I know. I also have Robin Hood and Acorn. Acorn, of course, uh, takes money out the account every week. Mm -hmm. Uh, That accumulates over time. It tells you how much money you will have by the age of fifty. You know, that's only it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But Mike, you mentioned something about black-owned banks. And Chris, I wanted to ask you about how how do you feel about opening an account with a black owned bank? Uh I think we should definitely support our black owned banks. I think you should think about what you're going to the bank for, right? Like you gotta you gotta know like what do you want to get out of the bank, right? Because depending on what you want from your experience, that'll determine a lot. Like I actually I got so excited about Vero that I forgot to tell you the third reason why I love it so much. So uh and then I'm gonna jump right back into this. So like when you go to Vero, right? Because we were talking about high like interest, and you were talking about interest on Digit. I've definitely I've heard of Digit. I don't know what the interest rate on it is off the top of my head. I don't use it. Um, but I definitely I've heard of of of, of it before. But uh, the reason why I love Vero so much is because when you you, if you have a um, direct deposit, there's a 
at least a thousand dollars that goes to your checking account. They'll give you a debit card. If you make, if you do like six transactions, like it can be like a transfer, it can be like you swiping for a pack of gum, whatever. If you do six transactions in a uh, in a month, like with your checking account, they will increase the interest rate on your savings account. And so, like Vero markets their savings account at a one point two one percent. Right, which is pretty good. Like it's a little bit over one percent. But if you uh, if you have a thousand dollar direct deposit plus you do those six transactions, they'll increase it to two point eight percent. So now you're almost getting three percent of your uh, like interest on your money, and it's just sitting there. And so like that's the reason why I love Vero so much. I'm actually thinking about a lot of the smaller um, savings accounts that I have. I think I might condense some of them and send it straight to Vero because right now it is just simply the best. It's, it's the best rate you can get. I mean, like, outside of, like, a credit union, which, like, you know, like, usually has, like, membership fees or, like, you might have to be a part of a nonprofit or you might have to live in a certain area. Like, so they might not always work for everybody, but, like, Vero is something that, like, anyone can have access to. There's no fees to it. There's no minimum to it. You can literally start it with a dollar. Like, you don't have to have anything. Like, you can just, you just, you know, can go online and make it uh, really quickly. And then uh, just some other ones that I was going to mention. All above one percent. Uh, Marcus by Goldman Sachs. I really, really like that one. I also have that. That's where I put a lot of my investment money. Um, they uh, offer one point zero five percent. I'm I like Ally Bank, which you uh, mentioned. Uh, they offer one point ten percent. I love uh, also Vio Bank. A uh, Vio Bank is like literally. <laughs> if you get online, it doesn't look like much of anything, but they, they just store your money and they give you uh, usually a pretty decent rate. It was at two percent, but right now it's down to one point three five percent. But it's still like hovering, you know, quite a bit above like the one percent um, range. Now, so then when we go into thinking about like black-owned banks, like when when I think about that, like what I put the money that I want, if I, if I'm trying to earn interest on my savings account, would I put it in a black-owned bank? Probably not. And the reason why is because a lot of them are, you know, plagued by a lot of the same issues that we were talking about earlier, like upfront costs, like you know. Um, I mean, they, a lot of them are, you know, like uh, to specific re- uh, geographic regions. There's a black-owned bank that is uh, mainly online. It's called One United Bank. Um, I've, I've been looking into that quite a bit. Um, I don't know their interest rate off the top of my head, but um, instead, what I was thinking about doing is more so maybe opening up a, um, a checking account. I live in I live in Brooklyn, so. Um, I think if you're like in a in a geographic region, like I know in Atlanta they have a, what is it, Citizens Trust Bank. Like if you're in a geographic region where you're like close to a, a black-owned bank and you want a brick-and-mortar bank, like no, don't go to Chase, like don't go to Wells Fargo. Yeah, of course, go to that black-owned bank. But you gotta like you know you gotta think about what the exact services that you want. And I think the other thing you know is that with. Uh, you know, like what I, what I said about like geography, like if you think about that, like a lot of times I don't know the best services that are offered at, you know, a lot of those banks. Cause I'm not present. I don't even know a lot of their names. Um, to, if you want me to just be quite honest with you, um, I do know, you know, One United is from my understanding, maybe like the fastest growing, um, black owned bank because it is, uh, it's like, uh, pretty much 100% online. I think they have maybe like two or three branches. I know, uh, Citizens Trust. I got a lot of popularity with the, uh, you know, like the bank black movement, um, and things like that. Um, I know Carver Bank, uh, here in New York, uh, I believe. And then, uh, 
I know there's like some organizations like maybe have like credit unions and stuff like that, like a few mm-hmm. universities like HBCUs. So they're definitely out there, but you just got to go out there and make sure you do your research and make sure you know exactly what it is, uh, type of service that you want to be provided. If you yeah. want to, but like I said, like for black people, like that's, that, that becomes the complexity of our play, right? Cause we want to support our institutions, but then you also want to get the, get money back yourself. Right. So it's like, damn, like and you I want to get this, get the best service. and yeah. you want to get the best service. So you're like, damn, like I want to get this interest rate back. But I know that I need to, like, you know, have some, like, it's important for us to hold money, like, in a black-owned bank, too. And so, like, my recommendation is, like I said, like, know, like, know exactly what you're going for. Like, know what type of uh, service that you want to get from that specific bank because then you can maybe, like, tailor your experience more to that. Um, and I would say that. You know, if if you did want to hold money in a black-owned bank, like, think about your savings. Like I said, I have my savings broken apart. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second, how I do that. But I would say maybe, like, something that you um, don't, you know, need such a, you know, like, uh, so much uh, of, of money in. Like, maybe you can put that in a black-owned bank. Like, I have, like, account for travel. I have account for, you know, like, uh, rental properties. I have account for business. I have account for investments. I have, so, you know, maybe you might find, you know, use for a black-owned bank with one of those accounts. And, and like I said, that's something that I'm even working on personally myself. When I come back on here, I'll give y'all an update on that and let y'all know, you know, what I'm doing. But right now, um, I think that, uh, you know, for me, if I was going to go online, I would probably go to One United Bank. And then uh, other than that, I would probably look in my specific region and try to partner with them maybe for like a mortgage or like to hold some type of savings with, have a checking account with, definitely do business with them. Um, you can also buy black, black owned bank stock. That's something that we don't talk mm. about a lot. You were talking about, uh, <clears throat> you're talking about black wall street and you know, I didn't want to cut you off, but like something that something so crazy is like, you, like you were saying, like they burnt down black wall street. Right. But then we got like, Wall Street today, and I don't want to call it White Wall Street, but like, let me just, just give you a like some just a fact very quickly. Like, yeah, yo, there's there's four thousand. I think there's I think I, I, if I'm correct, there's four thousand um, companies that are included in the S and P 500 index. Out of those four thousand, how many do you think are black owned? Like eight. 12. So you I'm, were close. Yeah. <laughs> you were so close. Like, 12. 12. Like, think about that. Like, think about how, how, how far behind we are. I was, like, that's crazy. I was just like, having that's, this conversation. That's crazy. Like, just, yeah, we, we yeah. own, like, stores on the front, this, not other, but 4,000 companies. They burnt our Wall Street down, and then there's 4,000 companies as a part of, like, the S&P 500 index today, and only 12 of them are black. And most of them are black-owned banks, and just to be real, their charts don't look that great. Like, yeah. they don't. Like, and so that's another way that we can support black-owned banks, black-owned uh, bank stock um, and things like that. But, you know, once again, if, if you're trying to make money, then then that, you know, you're like, oh, you know. So it all, it's, it's always something, man. Like, the plight of being a black person, man, I'll mean, tell you, man. You always got to go the extra mile. Yeah, man. Uh, you got to go the extra mile. So you mentioned something about opening up a – you have multiple accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them that stood out to me is an investment account. Mm-hmm. How are you investing your money? Because I know that it looks like you're the type of person that go to sleep and still make money and wake up in the morning and still make I money. I try to. So, yeah, how I are you investing to. your money? So I believe that for most of us that investing should be passive. And what I mean by that is I mean that you should just – it should be something that just collects money for you. It shouldn't be something that you have to do. You already may have a job. You might might uh, already own a business, like something like that. For most of us, investing should just, like, collect for itself. And so I believe that, you know, we benefit from being in the time period that we are because we have so many, like, you know, good apps and technology out there that can help us. Like, you know, we should, you know, embrace, uh, embrace technology. And so for myself, uh, I have uh, – of course, like multiple savings accounts. One of them is uh, my investing account. Um, I, I basically keep that 
above a certain level. So then if I see something that I want to grab or something on the market I want to buy, maybe like crypto looks like it's going up. Maybe this company looks like it's about to do this. That's not in the third. Um, I might read something that you also got to keep current because investing is making sure you know what's going on. Man, let me, if I could have predicted that all this was going to happen with the, with the coronavirus, like, and I mean, it's crazy because like, you know, it wasn't like we didn't know that they were, you know, like that this was going on. Right. But, you know, you got to sometimes put two and two together. I missed that. Like, but like I said, if you caught the, if you caught the bottom of that market all the way, uh, all the way back up to the top now, oh my God, man, you made a killing. Like, think about Jeff Bevo's. Like, we all been at home, like buying on Amazon. His, his stock ain't hurt. That, that shit is skyrocketing. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, so, you know, like, uh, I use Robinhood. A lot of y'all, I heard Robinhood mentioned. I use Robinhood. I believe you can use Robinhood if you want to, like, uh, you know, like, you know, trade yourself, like buy buy into things yourself. But like I said, that's not what I would recommend. I recommend that it should be passive. It should be something that kind of like just does for itself. If you're gonna like invest directly in a business, I would say it's something that you like really, really, really want to support. Something you know know a lot about. Um, I wouldn't recommend just going out here and buying things because it looks like that hot pick. Um, you know, you you know you're risking. You know, you you playing a little risk with your money. Um, so I do use uh, Robinhood, um, but that's not my main source of investing. Um, I think before you get into any of that personal investing, you got to make sure you got your retirement accounts together. Mm-hmm. So I think you know everybody should think about their four hundred three bs, their four hundred one k. Um, of course, like, uh, and then you got an IRA. So for uh, anyone who doesn't know, um, a four hundred one k, a four hundred three b is done through your employer. Um, an IRA is an individual retirement account. That's something that you fund uh, yourself, and so. <clears throat> I have a Roth IRA. I have to say that as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's another great way for you to you know make sure that you hit those levels because a lot of times your employees will give you a match, and so like your match might be like three percent, four percent, five percent, whatever it is. You want to max that out first. It makes no sense to try to invest money when your employee is going to give you free money to invest. Like you got to use that first. So first thing you need to do is you need to like make sure you got your four hundred three b your four hundred one k together and make sure that you max out your employee match. After you do that, then you can have a IRA. The IRA is good because, you know, that's something that you fund yourself. There's usually limits on it, so you can only put, like, a certain amount of thousands of dollars in it each year. I think it's $5,000 for people under, like, 52. Um, I think it's like that, uh, five or $6,000. Um, so you can put your money in that. Once again, like those things are going to have like index funds and things like that that you can choose for like your investments and then boom, like, you know, you sleeping and, and you get your paycheck, it's deducted out of it. If it's like through your employer, if it's something that you do yourself, you might have an automatic transfer, go straight to it, boom, 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 you're good. Um, for my IRA, I use Betterment. Um, and the reason why I use Betterment is because it's considered a robo-advisor, so it's 100% pretty much hands-off for me. I don't have to do anything. Like, I can get on it and play with it a little bit if I want to, like, uh, get specifics. But it basically, uh, it, it takes an assessment of your net worth and, like, all these other different things. And it uh, gives you different, like, uh, you know, recommendations and things that you can pick. And you can individually choose them yourself, um, which is different from Acorns. Because when you get on Acorns, like, Acorns is a robo-advisor. Because a robo-advisor is, you know, like a financial advisor, you know, through technology, right? And so, like, when you get on Acorns, the difference is that, like, they'll give you, like, a um, they'll give you a risk portfolio. Because I started with Acorns, but I didn't like it. Because they give you a risk portfolio. They say, do you want to be conservative? Do you want to be moderate? Do you want to be risky? And then they, like, give you the stocks that they include under, like, that format. But on Betterment, you can, like, you, you can go in and, like, individually pick them. So it's a little bit more 
it can be a little bit more hands off, but uh, hands on. But once you get it how you want it, you just step back and just just let it just work. So I got a certain amount of money uh, that goes to it each month, and like I said, the goal is to hit five thousand dollars by the end of the year. Um, if you do that, you be you know well on your way. You got your four hundred three B, you got your IRA, boom boom, those are handled. Then you move into your like your individual stocks, right? So a lot of people talk about Robinhood, which is like really really popular. Um, um, a lot of people. Uh, uh, also use um, what's the other one called Coinbase for uh, mm. cryptocurrency. So you got Robinhood, you got Coinbase, and I use both of those, right? Um, but then the one that um, that I truly, truly have fell in love with is called M1 Finance. And the reason why I like M1 Finance is because it's it's kind of like a, a cross between a robo advisor and Robinhood, right? right? So like on Robinhood, you go on, you buy your individual stock. But unless you have like a premium account or you got like some type of like uh, maybe like special promotion, you have to buy like 100% of that stock. Like, you know, you can get, you know, like percentages of it, but you got to get upgraded and all this different stuff. So like for a lot of us who are just starting, that doesn't work. So like let's say you're a person, you want to buy Amazon. And I don't even know what it's going for right now, but the last time I looked at it, it was like 2300 some dollars a share, right? So like you want to buy a share of Amazon. Can you buy that share of Amazon? Hell no. You don't got $2,300 to just... Just whip out to that. I mean, if you do, that's great. But a lot of us, like, you know, right. that's, that's not the starting no, reality for a lot, a lot of us. And so, like, then you end up, you might, you can buy maybe a stock of Apple. It's like three, you know, 300, whatever, whatever. So the next um, question, question real yeah, quick. If you did buy, say, if I ever have $30,000, right? Mm-hmm. And that means I can, and I, and I had the 2,000, what's that? 30,000, 15, I could buy 15. Yeah. What's a good amount of shares to buy in a company like that? Cause say if I got like a $100,000 check right now. Mm-hmm. Right, I know. I, part of me doesn't. I'm not gonna. I don't want to use that hundred thousand dollars to just throw go spending. I want to use it maybe some you know pay off some some of my student mm-hmm. loans or whatever. But then I also want to invest it. Mm-hmm. You rich with Jeff Bezos? What, you buy a hundred thousand dollars of Amazon? But I'm saying is it, what what's the best thing to do when it comes to stocks like that? Like how much? Stock would so, actually warrant to bring back money. So you gotta, you gotta pay attention to the chart. So like, there's like 52 week highs, there's 52 week lows. Mm-hmm. That'll tell you, that'll give you a good, like, indicator of like where the stock has been and like how you can kind of predict where it's gonna go. There's also a thing that's called the PE ratio. And when you look at that, that's basically the price that you pay per dollar that you get back. So that's the best thing that you can look at. If you look at a stock and, um, you know, like the PE ratio is right, then that's how you know that you're earning. If you go down to the, like, if you're on Robinhood, you can go right down to the bottom. It'll tell you like how much you'll get back in earnest per share. And so like a lot of times you want to make sure that you buy in. Like, of course, you want to buy in at the right time. The easiest time is when you buy at a dip and you know it's going to rebound. Like, but if you're not, if you're not, you know, uh, you know, fortunate enough to catch it like right at that moment, like you got to make sure that you pay attention to those numbers. You don't want to put your money into something that you're paying so many of hundreds of dollars for, for $1 back. That's not a smart investment. So you want to look at something that has a, a PE ratio that favors, um, you know, like kind of like what you have to spend. And then that'll tell you, you know, kind of like how much you, you know, like you can, you, you should buy with what you got. But now the reason why I said, you know, like I said, cause if you got it, spend it. Like, I mean, if you want to, I would never tell you not to do something, but you gotta remember you're playing a risk with your money. The reason why I love M1 Finance is because you can get on there and you can set up a pie chart 
um, in your investment portfolio, right? And so that's why I said it's kind of like a hybrid. It's a mix between a robo and like something you do straightforward. So you go in, you set up your pie chart. Let's say you want Amazon. You can put Amazon. You can put uh, Microsoft. You can put Apple. You can put Tesla. If you want it just like Tesla in, my, in uh, Apple, uh, uh, I mean, uh, what are we talking about? Amazon, mm-hmm. really, really expensive stocks. You can put just those two. But once you get that pie set up, let's say you just got $100, okay? You send your $100 to M1 Finance. Boom. They move it over to, you know, your pie chart and they split it up and buy it for you in the percentages of what you got. Wow. And so now you don't have to, to buy a whole share of Amazon to, to buy into Amazon. You can buy, you know, just the percentage of what you got. And then over the course of your lifetime, you put another hundred and another two hundred, another five. Eventually you'll own that whole share of Amazon. So that's just a, a way that I feel like it's great for people to get into it. Mm-hmm. You may not know exactly what you're doing, you may, but you don't need to. You just need, to, you know, like you, you can literally look at like, you know, very basic information. What's going on in the world? What's hot? What's trendy? You know, things like that. Look at the numbers and then once you get your pie chart set up, if you're using M1 Finance, mm-hmm. move that money over, and it'll just keep doing it for you. You can automate that transfer, and it just keeps doing it. So for me, you know, like I went from being that person when I first got into investing. I was like, oh, my God, like I want to catch this. I want to catch that up. But I wanted to catch it at a certain time. I was getting mad if it didn't do what I wanted it to do. And now, dog, like I might check my investments like two times a month or like three times a month. Or like I definitely read the emails and notifications that they send me, but All right. No, other than that, I pretty much just giving the money to itself and I just let it collect and just let it do its thing. And so like, you know, like once again, like, you know, break, if you break your savings, you break your savings up, you know, uh, you can kind of like focus specifically on what you want to do. Like I said, I have like a, uh, an investment account. I have a business account. I have a house, you know, like a, I want to buy a house soon. So I have one for that. Like, so let's, 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 that's a perfect example. So I got one for that. And like that, that's a very hefty goal, right? Like I'm trying to put like 20, 30 G's in that, right? So I'm a lot in way more money to that savings account than I'm allotting to my like travels account. My travels account, I got a 52 week challenge set up. I don't use personal capital. The app that I really, really love uh, is called Astra. Um, A-S-T-R-A. Astra is amazing. You put, uh, you know, you just link all your bank accounts to it. You can create all the different routines that you want. Um, and it literally just does it for you. You can do 52 week challenges. You can do, you know, one time transfers. You can do percentage base. You can do swoops. So literally every single bank account that I have, checking, savings, they're all hooked up to, to Astra and it controls all my money for me. I don't even look at it. I don't log on. I don't log on to that shit. Like I just, I just <laughs> let it do it. <laughs> like I, I, I literally do. I, I, of course I look at it to check it. I'm like, oh yeah, this looks nice. And when that money starts to collect, that's when you're like, oh man, I'm really doing something. You know, and then personal capital, the thing that I lo- love about personal capital is that personal capital looks at your, cause a lot of times we say, how much money have I saved? But you don't never think of your net worth. So it's like, all right, I just saved $30,000, but I got $25,000 of debt. Well, you ain't worth but five G's now. Like you, you ain't worth $30,000. Mm. You really got five G's. That's what you really got and so personal capital will put that into perspective for you it'll tell you how much debt you have it'll tell you how much savings you have it'll tell you if you're on you know like target to pay that off and for us as educators of course like our people who are like public service things like that you may have different ways to reduce your debt without having to pay it so that's why it's so important to pay attention to it i watch that i watch that shit more closely than anything because i know when i'm debt free then then i can really like you know move and shake so you know like Student loan debt, credit card debt, any of that type of stuff. Credit, man, yo, we we could have ran a whole episode on credit. Wow, mm-hmm. like credit will kill you. You know, yeah. I was I was thinking, you know, so much we were talking about like uh, you know police reform and stuff like this. I'm not going off script, but like think about all the uh, all the you know the men and women who come out of prison like and don't have 
credit. Like, or may not, they don't have established credit or, you know, like, whatever, whatever. Like, you can't go buy anything with cash. What you gonna buy with cash? You can't buy a business with cash. You can't buy a house with cash. You can't buy anything with cash. So then we sit here and say, oh, well, you know, like, do better with yourself. How? How, Sway? Yeah. Like, how are you supposed to do it? Yeah. So, like, you know, credit. Like, credit. But even people, you know, like, come on, man. Like, even people, like, you know, a lot of the people you bump into every day, like, may not know anything about credit. And credit ain't really but two things. Like, do you pay your shit on time? And, like, what's your utilization? That's what really kills people. Question on credit. How many how many credit cards you would advise to people to open? Because I know that the more credit cards you have, the more... The more, <laughs> the more you're able so, to, like, do right now? gain, like, uh, a higher percentage of loans, uh, mm-hmm. receiving back or, uh, mm-hmm. easy for you to get a car, easy for you to get a house. Like, they want to see that you're responsible. So how many credit cards would you advise people to open up? Alright, so it depends on what situation you're in. And we, we run out of time, so I'm gonna try to be real quick. So, depending on the situation you're in will determine, uh, what I would recommend for that. But let me give you an example. So let's say that you have like decent credit, right? Are, are you, yeah, let's say you have decent to bad credit, right? Okay. So you, you, you are usually barred from getting the best credit cards to start with, right? So you may have to like, uh, you, you, uh, a secured card is when you have to, you know, like basically put money down on the card just to open it up. So if people like when they say like a secured card, that's what it means. Like you got to secure your line. It's like, all right, like I want a $500 credit line. Well, you got to give them $500 so you deposit it and then they'll keep lending it to you over and over and over again. Basically that's how that works. So like first off, like people with bad to moderate, uh, to like poor credit, usually you're barred from getting the best credit cards. You got to pay like fees that are associated with the credit card. And you usually have to have a secured credit card. You have to have money up front just to secure the credit. So you're already facing like a lot there. I never, ever, ever will recommend anybody to get a credit card that you have to pay a fee for. There's so many credit cards out here that are free that if you pay a fee for a credit card, you are already setting setting yourself up for failure. Now, the reason why I say it depends on who you are is because sometimes credit, sometimes balancing your, your, your utilization is what really will help your credit pop. Right, like most of your credit is based off of like payments. Like, do you pay your credit on time? And you know, what's your credit utilization? So, if you got one credit card, right, you'd be like, "Oh, I got one credit card. I'm doing a good thing." You could, you could not. You never ever want to go above. (laughs) You never want to go above. 30% 30% of your available credit. So check this out. So let's say Oops. you got X amount of things that you want to buy, right? But you only got $500 of credit, you know, to your name. So like you, you, you get to 445 and then they run your credit. The credit's going to be trash because like your utilization is like 90%. They're like, damn, this person hanging on by a string. Like they can't do anything without credit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Oops. it gets, <laughs> I'm like, you know, like that, that could be, that could be how it is. I mean, I ain't saying they sit around in a round table talking trash about everybody. No, no, that's real. real. Like that's real, right? They looking at your credit utilization. They probably wondering like, man, like, you know, like, is this person going to like be able to pay us? Now, if, um, can I say something to that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I was kind of frustrated about that because I personally, I pay all my bills on time. I'm like, yeah, I pay everything on time. And then then I remember one week, one, uh, couple couple months ago, I I had forgot, like I I paid my, my, um, I I used Discover. And it was, it was a great, I think it was great with uh, the account. But I didn't realize that my credit usage was like 76%. And so I was like, how the hell did my credit score drop? That's and I've been, and I looked, it was like high use, high usage. High usage. Yeah. I was like, oh no, I had to start paying. I was like, quick. So I started doubling up and then like, I was like, I'm about to pay it all right now. And my mother was like, just wait, you wanna, 
you want to pay it off just at a third and get it down to that 30% you want to set up, but just make they double up on the payments or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was crazy because I was so frustrated. It's as, like that. Bro, it's so hard mm-hmm. to build good credit. Yeah. And it's so easy to destroy your destroy, credit yeah. Yeah, in yeah. like a matter of seconds. Yeah. Like yeah. literally. One last question. Uh, is it safer to use your credit card than your debit card? It depends on what you're using it for. Like a lot of times, your credit card, you can get points back, you can get cash back. You usually don't get that with a debit card. And so, you know, like I think that, uh, you know, things like bills, things like, you know, stuff that you got to pay. When, when people pay that on the credit card, that, that, what that really, you know, like shows to like financial institutions, they're like, okay, well, this person can't afford their expenses. Like, you know, so I think that, you know, small, uh, anything that, anything that you look to pay off within the month, you can, you know, it's safe that you can put it on, on your credit card. But like I said, it's about utilization. If you got a thousand dollars of credit, right? If you got a thousand dollars of credit, so like a person with poor, poor credit or moderate credit, they might have two $500 credit cards. That's a thousand dollar limit. You got a thousand dollar limit. You can own, technically, you don't want to use more than $300 of that. So that's what I'm saying. Like people run four, five, six, seven hundred dollars up. You shouldn't be doing that unless you got twenty five hundred dollars of credit, thirty five hundred dollars worth of credit. You, you, you just got to make sure your utilization is right. And so that's why I said it depends because sometimes you might have poor credit, but if you can get approved for a card, now you got you you have more credit, so your uh, utilization balances out. So you might have five hundred dollars of credit, now you got an extra five hundred, extra thousand. And that'll help your credit score out. Yeah, man. Thank you, Chris. You helped yeah, Mark man. a lot. Get back my credit card, man. You don't need that, bro. <laughs> hey, uh, let me cut it up my first. Man, my man Chris came in for another episode, and we'll have you on in the future again talking about yeah, financial, and financial literacy. Uh, but, guys, thank you for tuning in to Ghetto Profit Podcast. Uh, don't forget to follow us on our Ghetto Profit Podcast on IG, Ghetto Profit Podcast on Facebook, and Ghetto Profit Podcast 1 on Twitter. Uh, anything else that we want to close out with, Ty? I would just say, Bye. yo, I appreciate you, Chris, coming on here. I think education is um, what is definitely going to be a tool that we use, <laughs> that we can use, especially financial literacy. Yeah. So you doing all of this research on your own just so, shows just how um, creative and how tenacious we can be when it comes to learning and growth as educators and as black men, this is the level of responsibility it takes because if we're going to break generational curses on our family and our bloodlines financially, um, this is what it's going to take. It's going to take educating ourselves. So I appreciate you, man. Every school should have a lesson on compounded interest. I'm going to end on that. Every school. Every school should have a lesson on compounded interest because we, like, that's the whole lesson right there, you know, like compounded interest. Find Breonna Taylor kill. Please. Thank you. But the night it's time to vote for me to take part in this democracy.